Where is the horse and the rider? Where is the Mordor movie night? I'm Nora. I'm joined by Autumn. Hi! And Jackson. Hello. And Em. Hello. We're here to talk about Lord of the Rings, uh, and this episode we've watched The Two Towers, uh, extended edition, obviously, directed by Peter Jackson. Uh, and it's a fucking great movie. It's a fucking great movie, fucking dude. Great movie. It's a fucking great movie. <laughs> I like that you have to rush to say that. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm running with my torch toward the podcast. Em <laughs> is shooting arrows at my neck. <laughs> for for 15 years now, I have held the Two Towers Extended Edition was the best Lord of the Rings movie. I do not know what the fuck Young Me was smoking because no. <laughs> South Farthing Pipeweed, obviously. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I thought this movie was a mess. I, I think there's some stuff that I think is like truly exceptional. And I think there's some stuff that is just Peter Jackson, like haunted house bullshit. And I think some stuff is just really ill-considered. Um, and it all kind of sits beside it. And it's just kind of like different movies all jammed together because there's no coherent narrative outside of the Rohan stuff. <laughs> It is three movies stapled together, but um, the high moments of this movie hit so hard that some of the unevenness just doesn't, it doesn't matter to Do me at all. Do you even remember the guy who's like, we will die for Saruman? <laughs> this is such a long ass movie, holy shit. <laughs> oh my god, this is the longest movie in the world. He's not even the guy that's dying for Saruman in this movie. He's, he's, <laughs> that's, that's next time. <laughs> no the the wild guy the wild man guy who cuts his hand right yeah but like one of those guys the those fucking are, um uh, like the, the wild the wild men not appearing in the original theatrical cut of this movie they're, this, might, they're kind of expect. like the forsworn from skyrim are they um, different from the guys with the elephants that yeah, are like those are the yes these are these are specifically okay. meant to be the like like the lesser men of the lands that Rohan occupied, not the Pukul Pukul men who don't appear in any of the movies, thank God, um, but the other guys. I forgot about them. Hmm. Yeah, they're like bandits and stuff. Yeah. They are mentioned in the books. Um, yeah, okay. I'm following along now. This movie does um, go a little hard on bad stuff about race. Um <laughs> Both, oh, it turns it up. Oh, you, you mean the bit where Farmer looks down on like a like a uh-huh. brown boy uh-huh. and goes, he's just like me, but uh-huh. I shot him dead. <laughs> he he didn't sign up to be to go to war. He was tricked by Sauron. I guess maybe Probably. they're people too. <laughs> I wonder Sauron what has let yeah. here. Sauron has summoned a, like a terrifying horde from the Eastern lands. Uh, you I know, you like, know who wouldn't Whoa. have been concerned about the lives of the people he shot, Boromir. <laughs> um speaking of boromir um finding out some of the things that got that did not show up in the theatrical version principally finding out that boromir is not in the theatrical version of this movie is fucking insane i don't know how that movie is like legible at all boromir shows up two hours into this movie and fucking carries it (laughs) it's one of the best scenes it's so fucking good when I was watching that scene, I was like, they do, so, like, so much is established so fast in that scene. Like, yes. establishes, like, everything about what is going on in Gondor in relation to Mordor and, like, their place compared to Mordor and what, like, Osgiliath means. So, like, all of the, like, 
you know, contextual space stuff is going on. It establishes everything about why Boromir was how he was in the last movie, why he was at uh, the council, uh, why like he wanted to bring it home. Uh, gives him like a thing where he was actually reluctant to go, and he didn't. He it was, you know it was Denethor's idea in the first place. Does all that sets a Faramir's relation to that, and then mm-hmm. also like ties you into being invested in both Boromir and Faramir together, like how they're kind of a united front against their shitty dad. All it's like a four minute scene. All of that's in it. Um, yes. How do you cut that from the movie? Just not there. Fiverr shows up, grabs Frodo, takes him to the skillet, goes, nah, never mind. I was just kidding. JK. JK. <laughs> I, I really is, like... Yeah. I, I just wanted to use you so I could get that one hit in on the uh, fell beast. <laughs> I really like Faramir in this movie, and I don't think Faramir's character would work at all without that scene. And a hey, guess what people complained a lot about in when that movie first premiered? <laughs> it's Faramir's oh. characterization as a guy who just kind of sucks the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's still got a bit of that uh but that scene does a lot of heavy lifting to make you know to make a little bit uh go down smoother but I'm so still my watching favorite it. yeah my favorite thing about the extended edition editions is um all of the stuff with aomer finding aodred uh, theodred and bringing him home and uh the uh Theoden not responding and Grimma lurking around in the bit where he like confronts him is like, what did Saruman promise you when he looks at Eowyn? All that's not in the movie, uh, originally. What? Um, the first the time idea- you see the first time you see Aomer is when the three hunters, like Aragorn, Legus, and Gimli, come across him way later. Um, and then when they get to Medusel with Gandalf, that's the first time you ever meet Theoden. It's what the that, fuck? that that seems impossible because like the entire end of the movie hinges on the fact that the fake like king's order banished Ayama. That's like the that's what the that's what the ending of the movie is about. I mean, he does say reversal. this is the thing when they when they when they do circle around when they Ayamar meets Aragorn, he does say, "Oh, the king has banished me for you know being the cool guy and yeah, rides off." They explain that's it. That's it in that line. Scene. Yes, no, that's all you get. Um, but they don't doesn't like hit uh, like when he is uh, cast out uh, yes, in that in that initial scene. But none of this is what. Uh, ten-year-old Nora was fixated on in this movie when what? it came out. Mm-hmm. What were you fixated on? Ten-year-old Nora was fixated on the opening ninety seconds. Of course, <laughs> oh, you mean <laughs> the Sorry, sickest thing that's ever been? Yes, <laughs> the coolest thing that's ever happened in a movie. The Gandalf uh, was and- doing a Dark Souls boss fight. That's so true. <laughs> the the, uh, the moment where like you it just does the whole thing it's like oh right this was like the pivotal emotional sequence of uh of the first movie and then the camera just like starts tracking down as the music picks up it's the most exciting thing that's ever happened in cinema <laughs> I, I wish i yeah i wish i'd been in the cinema i wish i'd seen his movies at the time because if i was in the cinema and i watched them just go to gandalf's death but then it went down to show him fighting the balrog fuck <laughs> i remember when i was a teenager in my like writers club that I was in, um, the phrase "smote his ruin on the mountainside" was like associated me with me so strongly that people wrote it in like birthday cards. That's ridiculous. It's <laughs> very funny. Uh, that is I extremely like that line so much. Everyone associated that scene with me. Um, <laughs> it's specifically because like the Balrog's just a big CG whatever. It's specifically that huge pullout shot where it's just them falling into the giant cavern at the bottom of the world. Yeah. It's so good. Oh my God, dude. Um, this is also um, mostly in the first two hours of this movie, but all throughout. Um, this is also the first instance of some questionable compositing. <laughs> um, and 
none of it ruins the movie for me, but there is a lot more um, compositing of CG and not CG elements that looks not great. <laughs> but I mean, we'll talk about it later, but the thing about Helm's Deep that really works for me is they made a setting that is the perfect like lighting scenario to hide all of your compositing. Yeah, most mm. of the stuff that we noticed that was like, oh, that doesn't look very good. It's like broad daylight, black gates of Mordor opening. Yeah, like, guess what? Guess what happens in Return of the King? Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's specifically like there is no home. Like there's the wall of like Helm's Deep. But like Helm's Deep itself is a miniature. Like there is no like full size Helm's Deep. That's crazy because it feels and you wouldn't so... know it to look at the movie. Well, they have that one absolutely masterful shot that's like the panning shot over the sky that as they're like retreating into the the castle mm-hmm. uh, and you see the the orcs coming in through the gates uh and the the elves and the men at the top uh running back um and it just it it the shot looks incredible in a way not all of the effect shots look in this movie um as as someone who had not seen this movie before today um I, I kind of was dreading Helm's Deep a little bit because I thought it was going to be over the top, but um, the build-up to Helm's Deep and the actual execution of the battle, I I was really fucking impressed by. I really was taken with Helm's Deep in a way I did not expect to be. <clears throat> I was expecting this to happen. <laughs> I've been I mean, sitting, I- this whole project has just been, man, I can't wait for Autumn to watch Two Towers. <laughs> <laughs> This feels like my dessert. This feels like I read all these books and now I get to eat my cake. And now you have to watch the rest of the movies. Which, oh, God. You know, there's good parts. But also there's... We get to look forward to something like Gandalf punch... Or not even Gandalf, the other guy. Radagast. Right, Radagast. Punching a ghost. When Gandalf has a Dark Souls boss fight, it's good. When Radagast has a Dark Souls boss fight, it's bad. Oh, you don't want Doctor Who to have a Dark Souls boss fight. Who? Radagast is played by Sebastian McCoy, one of the Doctors. Oh, really? Famous British character actor guy for being Doctor Who in the late 80s. Um, I wanted to find a picture. It's actually hard to find pictures of this movie sometimes. Um, So the Helm's Deep uh, miniature, the reason it looks good is um, it's one-fourth scale. Oh, wow. (laughs) Let me show you this picture. (laughs) There's a photo of Peter Jackson standing on the ramp. (laughs) I mean, like, it, it, it it is still miniature. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but now I see how you still get the shots because, like, that's that's close enough that, like, if you use perspectives, you can't tell it's small in the way that, like, here you go. You here's here's them one... filming on like it in a quarry. It's in like a toku quarry, basically. This is amazing. <laughs> this is fucking amazing. This is so good. Oh my god, <laughs> the cinema, the cinema, the cinema. But also, like. We were talking about the compositing, and yeah, there's some of that that looks bad. I don't... Like, I can notice that and be like, oh, that doesn't look very good. But my reaction to it is kind of a different emotional response. Yeah. Where I'm like, yeah, show me, like, high effort, like, kind of wonky, like, execution things like that. Like, you really tried to make this work just so and it didn't really come out the way you wanted but i can tell that you really tried to do it yes yeah and and also because it is still composited or the ways in which it is composited it's not a newer movie would have 
you know, a a camera that is like on a drone, like swinging all around the battlefield and and zooming and rushing and uh, it would be it would be more shots like the diving into the caves it, um, in Fellowship. Um, yes. In a newer movie in uh, this movie. Luckily, just sort of will have like two planes of like, here's some real shit. And then here's like a CG orcs, you know. Um, since we're talking about the CG, um, obviously the big thing when this movie came out was Gollum, um, yeah. which big deal. Um, revisiting this movie, the thing that is remarkable to me is not that it's it's well done. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not well done. That would be ridiculous. It is very well done. It is actually done about as well as they do it now. We have we have, yeah, we, have, we, have we have progressed almost zero percent in twenty years because the way special effects are done now. Um, well, like. The, the the detail on the model and some of the compositing might be better now. Yeah, because uh, like honestly, the compositing is usually worse now. <laughs> yeah, but only because the background's also fake. Yes, uh, right. Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> and and all that's that stuff. Uh, but like the textures would be more enhanced. But I don't. I don't think you would like the performance would be as good, right? Because they yeah. they spent a lot of time getting that performance right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's for me is like, we've had 20 years of CG actors just being considered like they're part of the cast. That's an important role. No one thinks about it. Um, and so I don't really necessarily like, I was just like, okay, let's appraise Gollum as just like an adaptational choice. And my main thing is, um, I think this like baby's first personality disorder version of Gollum detracts from the character. I like it less that he is like literally two people at war with themselves. The like... The reduction goes so far into like, if Faramir doesn't arrest Gollum, uh, he might never have betrayed them in like the cinematic logic of this movie, yes. which obviously isn't true. <laughs> yes. But that is what the film says, right? Like yes. that's the thing that causes that the evil literally God to come back. Sows the distrust, um, but also that distrust is ultimately necessary for the destruction of the ring because we know that that you know we know that Gollum is the reason the ring is destroyed eventually, um, yeah. and that just I think that flies against the like thematic material of Lord of the Rings itself. I just think it's like kind of lazy movie making. That's all. I'm not saying it's like the worst thing in the world. I do think it's like a lazy shorthand to sell this character where he, there's literally nice Gollum and evil Gollum arguing with each other in like a shot reverse shot of him just kind of like standing on a plinth. And I remember I mean, people losing their minds about it at the time. And I was among them and I just don't see it anymore. I think it's I, like kind of bad. I, I can't, I can't die with you on this hill. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do. See, I see it like, thematically on a wide view but i do think in, in like a formal level that scene where Gollum's like walking around and then he starts like talking to himself but then you like slowly realize that he's standing in place but the two angles are like breaking the 180 rule so it looks like he's talking to himself uh and then they stop like matching the actions between the cut and it's just a conversation happening yes um and the like the way it breaks when they just don't cut one time i think all of that's like peerless filmmaking like the i think it is shot is well i think the script of this is bad yeah, yeah. No, I, I get the complaint, but I, I do like I understand why that scene's gonna get people because it's incredibly well made. That's a great see, scene. That's that's the thing for me, is that like I, I, I see what I'm saying, um, but for me, it still totally works because of I think it's done really well, you know. Um and the problem with me not really buying into Gollum this time is um Frodo and Sam do fucking nothing this entire movie otherwise. <laughs> they they kind of wander around for most of the movie and then they p- give you one really good sucker punch at the end and like <laughs> suddenly you're like right Frodo and Sam are here. They it's- do 
They give you one really good sucker punch. The the speech is good, but it's not as good as the last movie's speech. Well, it's not as good as the last also, movie's the scene with the Nazgul. I, yeah. I think all the Nazgul stuff is in this is bad. I think it all sucks. It's the worst part of the movie is the Osgiliath fell beast Autumn thing. I nearly cried when Sam said, it's your Sam. Yeah, I did. I did cry at the at the two hobbits being gay. They're going to do that again next movie. You're just robbing next okay, movie's so emotional material. So there's to look forward to. <laughs> no, you, you, you can't. No, you're wrong about that. This, you can't, like, this is this is seven remake making you fight Sephiroth at the end of the first video game. You're like, what no, the fuck you do? You can't run yes, out of what? gay <laughs> shit with Frodo and Sam. You can't like make <laughs> that well run dry. Yeah, you're not gonna spend all of your. This is also I love this like, character point. This is also recognizing like the things they're not going to give Sam that are in the books that are not going to be in Return of the King. Um, just thinking, projecting ahead. I'm like, Sam is not a, an interesting character in these movies. I mean, uh, I do broadly agree, but I don't like. I mean, the reason the, the Nazgul shit happens is the sort of like give this movie a plot right like a single to yes. make it to try to make it a single movie and you have i just don't think you i think i think helms deep does that well enough i don't think you need to give frodo and uh, uh fight a big monster set piece well then it's not even the fight a big monster thing it's the he i guess he barely fights it is to have yes no three, you know what i mean though but like yes. the way it operates in the plot is he may he confronts a villain comes to a realization they get the character character catharsis but like all of it's fake none of this matters um I mean, the point is to have Sam give that speech and be like, we've all literally saying this was the dark middle chapter and we all came out again to the yeah, audience. I think, I think that's good. insipid. I think that sucks. <laughs> I don't it, like that speech at all. I'm like, I think um, it's a little too direct. The, the, the thing, yeah, so the kind of spitting out of what Jackson just said, the Sam and Frodo stuff works for me in this movie, but, but, big caveat, um, the speech is a little too... Um, the power of hope and the power of stories, which feels like both like the 10 years of Hollywood and fantasy writing before this, and also like the last 20 years that, that come after this movie. Um, yeah. They're just totally dominated by the power of stories and shit like that. And um, that was the thing that sort of undermined this uh, speech to me, even if I think Sean Astin is doing a great job. And I think that, um, you know, you need... I, I think that it, you know, <clears throat> giving the speech and panning over everything that happened and sort of like, you know, we got through our dark middle chapter. I think it works. But you know, it's the whole thing. Like the, this whole like arc has been about Theoden being all like depressed and shit. And then Gandalf comes in at the end and you don't get you... any scene with Theoden at the end of that. Mm-hmm. He, um, I mean, so here's, here's like my, my actual wide level thematic problems which we'll probably talk about more next time because denethor figures into this as well but like theoden isn't depressed he's he's possessed he's he needs to have an exorcism performed on him which is like a convenient change but it does fundamentally entirely change the entire yes. point of lord of the rings that's not what i was saying i was talking about the, oh, yeah. the back half of the movie i know depressed. but like the 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 way they depict the first half of the movie is that he is he is literally demonically possessed by Saruman. Saruman's voice comes out of his body and yes. Gandalf has to expel him. And then after that, he has like a piss and a moan about being asked to do anything. And the point is that he has to be pulled out of a... In the book, he has to be pulled out of a position where he feels hopeless and chose hopelessness, right? In the same way Denethor de- does. And, and he goes the other way. He finally chooses to act. Uh, yeah. 
and also like hopelessness. Like I often like like autumn. I often hate the like hope despair binary that's put in every fucking uh, show ever made. Mm-hmm. That like posits that the world changes based on whether you feel good or bad about it, which is just not true. Um, uh, and I often don't like that stuff, but I do love the books Lord of the Rings, which you read. They're fucking <laughs> incredible. Because uh, I, I just think their perspective on what like that topic is is much better because it's mostly about like um passivity from leaders in the face of like challenge right it's not about like oh i got depressed and tomorrowland happened to me um it's it's about like when you see enemies on your borders you have to like take actions to like do things with them and forge new alliances right like it's about actual uh things happening um and that's not really what happens to theoden here he just kind of gets uh caught out of his um stupor uh, I mean, the other thing, the other thing here that is uh, important is that uh, the two towers, the book has a has an ending. It's Frodo's captured because he got stabbed by a big spider and Sam left him for dead. And they just fucking put that all in a different movie. Mm. No, in, instead, <laughs> Gollum says he's going to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you the end, of the, end of the book, two towers is literally Sam going, well, Frodo's dead. I don't think I can do this, but I have to be the one to soldier on, even though I know it's hopeless. And like, I just think that's a better version of the same material than them having a, this is the power of stories speech when nothing basically happened to them other than they were waylaid like a hundred miles in the wrong direction. Yeah. I mean, I did. Yeah. I generally agree. Um, that was my main frustration, but like it's, I kind of want to circle back to the Frodo Sam stuff. Um, because this is just the thing that I found weird about Gollum in the book. Uh, and I think that their choices in adaptation like really draw it out. But like Frodo and Sam's story is a story about like how properly to treat your slave. That's what it's about. Like, <laughs> the, which mm. is like already fraught in the book. But like Gollum is imbued with like a beastliness, right? Like in a an animalistic sense, his humanity has been taken from him by the Ring, and that's what's pitiable about him. Um, but it also means that like when taming him, they are taming him like they are taming an animal. But yes. when you're taming a person mm. like an animal to do things for you, that has a loaded meaning. Uh, the, the, right. the thing about this that I think is like really uh, the movie backs into in a way that I like don't, is definitely unintended. Is it sets up Sam as like being hostile to Gollum because he recognizes this fact that they're not actually in different positions, but like he finds Gollum like disgusting and repellent because he is truly like a slave to Frodo and he sees himself as Frodo's peer and thus does violence to Gollum because of his insecurities. And it just gives it all a vibe. I read that as, um, I read it more as, uh, Sam is afraid of like Frodo becoming that. And so mistreats Gollum to displace that fear, which I don't think the two things we're saying are like incompatible. In no, no, they're, they're, they're definitely both there. Yeah, for sure. I don't think that it's uh, like entirely unintentional either. Like I do think that I think the level that the film is working on is like Sam sees himself as like Frodo's number one guy uh, and definitely feels his position getting a little insecure with Gollum coming in and like getting more attention. Um, I don't necessarily think the movie is like digging in to the like class relations there. Uh, but like they are there, they both like. I mean, the movie this is one of the things I was reading. The, the movie makes an explicit change that Sam's always calling Frodo Frodo, right? And in the book, he's he's calling him Master, he's calling him Mister Frodo because he's literally Frodo's servant, uh, which like plays up the fact that Sam and Gollum are basically in the same position a lot a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I don't, I don't have a solution. To, I don't know how you like get around this in adaptation, right? Because the, I mean, the book is still about this, and also like Frodo's pity on Gollum is important, and he does treat him better than like Faramir does, mm-hmm. uh, and Sam does. Yes, everyone and Sam does. Um, but that pity is like expressed through the lens of how best to like tame him to his will, and I think it's where like making him like not an animal he's not an animal he's like a guy with a weird personality disorder fundamentally changes that uh in a way that like there are times in the book where Gollum is acting so illogically that they just have to like this is just a weird creature right um and that is still loaded it is still stuff that like when we talked about in the episode that that is it is a like thing to navigate in the uh, and like uh, an idea that is in the book that is Mm -hmm. tough to reckon with um but the the movie just Smeagol's just a guy. He's just a guy who's depressed and is having a bad time. He's just a person. Uh, mm. ex- like, almost at all times. Even when he's being evil, he's doing it in such person-like ways. Uh, the, the whole CGI thing is this is a guy. He's not the fish guy from um, <laughs> uh, the Rankin-Bass movie. And obviously, like, you can make arguments about how anthropomorphizing characters doesn't actually like change their agency, but I do think they play it up here, here in a way that's like, this is a movie about treating your slave well. That's what the movie's about. It's weird. It's weird. It's a weird thing to put in your film. <laughs> um, I wanted to change track. Uh, yeah. yeah. Ian McKellen put his working boots on to oh try to God. sell that Gandalf the White is a different man than Gandalf the Grey, and I fucking love it. It's so he's good. Working, he's working so hard because the script doesn't. <laughs> no, the script doesn't. Because, <laughs> like, a scene later, he has to go, oh, right, yeah, so Frodo and Sam went here and Mary's this and this and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but... He is working overtime. That is a different yeah. man. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, they do. So they, there's a little bit that's like the movie tries to give him a boost where when he, he's first revealed and he's like glowing white, uh, it's it's Christopher Lee's voice coming out of him. Yeah. And as the light, light fades, it changes to Ian McKellen's. And they had to like clearly overdub each other saying the lines and it works really well. But even when he's like talking to them, it's like someone... It's like someone trying to remember how they used to be around all their friends and they haven't seen them in years. And it really works. I think it's like exceptional. Yeah. Um, it's that and it's. Um, I lost my train of thought. You go, Jackson. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. I didn't, I didn't want to. I thought, keep I thought you were going to say something and then I, ju- I just lost my train of thought. So I, I was. You, but then I was like, I just went for what ages about that. You, thing. So you, you interrupt when you have a moment. I oh, mentioned what? his fit. Oh, yeah. The, I think the. Um, I really like the, the, I really like a lot of the hair and makeup and costuming stuff in this movie. Um, uh, and just like give, you know, giving him a trim and <laughs> dyeing his hair yes. and, tell, and telling Gandalf to just sit straight. In yes. 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 That's so different. He's, he's still, it's so fun he because still he winks see... to them when he goes in with his staff. Yes. He yes. still winks. There's still a little like Gandalf the gray in there. But he's not, you know, he's not going to be like, a wizard arrives precisely when he means to. Oh, I'm just fucking with you like he did in the last movie. You know, he's just going to give you a little wink. <clears throat> uh, I don't remember yes. him even joking around at all in the next movie. Um, yeah, not really. He's in full serious mode. <laughs> the One thing um, Nora did point out. So there's the scene of, I forget where exactly it happens, but. Gandalf and Aragorn are sort of uh, catching up about what the hobbits are up to, basically. And yes, this um, is an extended edition scene. (laughs) Yeah, I can believe that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, 
we were watching that mo- that scene, and Nora did just go turn left, turn right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Palpatine classic! <laughs> the Palpatine classic. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think all that kind of stuff works really well. Um, Aragorn also here to sell you this movie. Oh, uh, Viggo Mortensen hard carries his entire film for me. I think he's exceptional. He's in so this. good. He's so good. Like his his. You know, he's soft-spoken at the start of the movie in the way that he was in Fellowship, um, and, you know, him gradually just being a little more forceful. Um, I, lo- I lost my goddamn mind at the bit where um, Hama's son is talking to him, and he, uh, like, they almost give him space to give a big speech, but he just is very, like, quietly, like, um, we're gonna do this, kid, you know? Uh, it's yes. so good. It's so good. And then immediately after that, we get Gimli's D-cup breasts. <laughs> um, did you see all the kids fighting at Helm's D? No, no. What? Like there were some of them were. I up saw. On we all saw them get like rocks. Oh yes, 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 yeah, yes. The whole. So I had my complaints about like how changing the early stuff with Theoden uh, kind of flattens the message of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. um, which is still things I, I believe and will continue, especially in the next film. Uh, but the like actual build-up to Helm's Deep. Oh, uh, my God. Fucking cinema, baby! This is cinema. Where is the horse and the rider? <laughs> um, then I will die as one of them! So, ah, fucking cinema. So, for, so for me, especially in the extended edition, I appreciate the space given to just establish a new cast, got their own shit going on, right? Like, mm-hmm. Rohan is explicitly made, at, like, has more backstory than members of the Fellowship. I know more about Aomer than I know about Gimli or Legolas put together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's partially um, on purpose. Fuck Legolas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, but like <laughs> you really got to sell you got to sell these new characters because they're really important, um, and then you got to make it so where um, when Aragorn comes in and Theoden is like unpossessed, um, you know everyone loves this man enough that you're willing to let him be toe to toe with Aragorn and like look at Aragorn and be like, what are you coming in commanding to me? I'm the fucking king. If you want to step up and be a king, then we'll talk. <laughs> Um, and it really works. I love these two's interactions. Um, I think that stuff really works. But also Aragorn gets all of the stuff with Eowyn, which I think is like really good and deeply necessary for where the, you know, uh, Eowyn stuff is going to go. Not none of that really in the in the books. That's all new material mostly, right? Yeah, I we need women in these movies. <laughs> yes, we, yes, we need a woman in this movie, so we're gonna get Miranda Otto to to look sad, and she she kills it. She's great, and then we're gonna put Arwen in there. Um, to mostly be told stuff we saw in the last movie. Uh, Excuse but, you, to mostly provide kisses we can put in the trailer. That's true. Um, the the sequence of her being told the stuff that we know is true from the appendices, one of the best shots in these scenes in these movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, of Aragorn dead in Minas Tirith, or uh, yeah, in Minas Tirith, and her crying there young still um, is exceptional. I love it. I think it's so good. What did you think of the elf Skype call? Uh, <laughs> the I Zoom think, call I think, between that, I think and that's an extended edition shot, and I hate it. I think it sucks. I was gonna, I was gonna mention a different extended edition shot that sucked, and I hated it. The, um, the other thing, wait, the thing about the Skype call is she opens by saying the lines from the opening of her Fellowship of the Ring. I'm like, is that yes. your, just your fucking like ringtone? Is that, what are we doing here? <laughs> I feel the earth changing. 
Yeah, it's like in the untranslated Elvish, but like I know what those fucking noises sound like. I know what you're saying. Stop it. Knock it off. That's embarrassing. <laughs> Um, uh, my, my extended edition thing that I did not care for, and this is another Aowen thing, um, I thought the singing at Theodred's funeral was a, didn't land, <laughs> did not land like at all. Stuff. I like um, that stuff. That is just pure, like, they've got Rohan, we're going to depict Anglo-Saxons in film, we're going to have a burial mound, we're going to have a traditional Anglo-Saxon song in there. I think all that stuff is sick, just from, like, a historical representation of peoples on film perspective. It, yeah. it was it truly just boiled down to I thought the singing was not uh, that great. And I thought the almost in the same way as the compositing, it felt a little weird and like studio, despite uh, the I thought they should have tried to get some onset audio. I don't know that it would have worked, but um, it might have worked better than um, what they did. It's weird because like that, that whole sequence is framed like it isn't framed like the rest of the movie is like, it's a really, it's a really showy sequence. There's the whole bit where like it cuts to the tomb being like shut with like a jump cut and like a boom sound of like rocks, like the door being closed or whatever. There's like the, the freight, the very like arty, like Twitter, what, like every frame of painting shot of the flower being lifted into frame. It just isn't Peter Jackson's normal, like milieu of how to shoot stuff. Mm -hmm. Peter Jackson is a March of the dead, uh, Halloween, guys coming at you. <laughs> That's Fear Jackson to me. You want to talk about Haldir? Uh, Which one's Haldir? The uh, fucking elf who sucks. Yeah. He's, I'm pretty sure he's the guy who made that comment about Gimli in the last He one. is. Yes, yes he, is. he is the guy yes. from Lothlorien. So this is an interesting wrinkle. It doesn't really matter. Not bearing discussion. But um, the internet fandom of 2002 was fucking convinced that Arwen was going to be at Helm's Deep leading these elves as part of the battle. <laughs> I I see how you would believe that because yes. they already got rid of um, my man. Glorfindel, thank you. Because because characters not in Helm's Deep in the book, The Two Towers, elves, period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, it was interesting um, because I've, I've reread Fellowship one time since we did the podcast. I've not reread mm-hmm. Towers or Return of the King. Um, yeah. And so Adaptation Brain just did not kick in in the same way. I was like, huh, I don't remember elves. I guess I must have forgot that detail, you know. No, the, yeah. the battle's like <laughs> radically different because like things such as all the people going to Helm's Deep doesn't happen because why would you send your people to fucking Helm's Deep? It doesn't make any sense. Just send them somewhere else, <laughs> like near Helm's Deep. <laughs> well, no, uh, yeah, that's the thing is like everyone else is set, sent to a city like up in the mountains, which is where they marshal after Helm's Deep. Like Eowyn's sent away. She's not there, right? Yeah, right. which like makes sense in a book because there's no difference between fighting to protect people who are in the basement and fighting to protect people who are one town over fundamentally <laughs> the same thing but like you change that for storytelling reasons like, like everyone uh escapes to helm's deep but the other the other big big change is that like moving to helm's deep in the movie to like raise the stakes is posited as like part of theoden's like conservatism yeah and uh part of his uh fearfulness whereas uh in the book everyone's just like I just got a fucking Helm's Deep. It's like the most defensible place. Yes. <laughs> because, uh, why would we fight him anywhere else? Seems like a great place to stage our battle. Um, well, it's weird. It's weird that they do the setup shot with the wild men and then show like a montage of people's villages being burned in the ground, but don't really talk about the part where like Rohan is a whole country under siege by Saruman. Like they don't. Right, yeah. Peter Jackson's really bad at establishing the geography of like, uh, Orthanc is to, to the north. 
uh, and has just overrun the entire like land of Rohan with Urukai and like men that he hired to like foment dissent and cause rebellion. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the only place they can go is the one fortress they've always gone to in antiquity. And it's like, kind of like the whole point is like Helm's Deep's like where, where we went in legend. And now we're here again, even though no one like goes here, it's Helm's Deep. It's like, it's like being held up in like, like the Parthenon. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, it is, um, it, I definitely, you know, I mean, I don't want to just be like, oh, before the book, because I, I do. I, the book's incredible. Yes. Uh, <laughs> genuinely, it's been the experience of this. Because uh, I still think Helm's Deep is a, a you know, amazing cinema moment. Everyone loves the Battle of Helm's Deep. Well, I mean, definitely does, that's like, the thing is that the, the Helm's Deep itself in the book is like a chapter and then it's over and you don't like, I, you don't really think about it. Um, the well, entire the, hour of buildup here is just not in the books in the same way. And that stuff's mm-hmm. great. It, it's amazing. The book, like, it just gives me a better sense of like, Rohan feels in the book like it's barely a country anymore. Uh, like it has a king and technically exists. Uh, yes. There's so many lines of like communication and, uh, you, you know, like towns towns are in Rohan that are technically on the map in the borders that the king has no control over because he's been uh, has spent like ten years under uh, one tongue's influence uh, and he's depressed because his son died. Um, and you just really feel it as like there are towns, they are all they all have people in them, but they're not like connected under the banner of a country in the way you would actually assume to have a country exist uh, mm-hmm. until they start doing shit like like a king should do. Um, <laughs> and that weight just isn't there. Like it's cool when Theoden starts doing shit. I love the Helm's Deep stuff when he stands on the banners and like looks over. Uh, I'm like this, this is so good when the ra- when the rain starts when the fucking rain starts. Is that's this what it's all you about. Can conjure Saruman. Yes, uh, <laughs> but. It, you don't get the sense of like Rohan is now like finally risen as this state of men that uh, went frayed and weak. Um, it's just kind of a place they go to and fix the king. Yes. It, they had to leave White Run. <laughs> it is it is pretty White Run. Yeah. It is it is extremely White Run. It's not White right White Run's this. What are you t- oh. No, I'm not I understand the causal nation relationship of reality. Like I know that White Run's ripping this off. I just yeah. I understand you know that, but it is like saying, "Oh, this post nineteen seventy seven science fiction thing is a little bit like Star Wars." <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think I just have always liked the the, the Rohirrim stuff because uh, I think uh, I used to be really into Anglo Saxon shit. And so I think I, this stuff's really cool. I always thought that Gondor was cooler because they looked like knights. Whereas um, the Rohan yeah. guys didn't look like knights to me. But, but the Gondor guys all have the big shiny plate armor. So I was like, yeah. They do. <laughs> the, the, the thing about the, the Rohan is that it's much more like historically consistent. Okay. Not I mean, It's not like 100%. It's still movies, right? But like the, the way Gondor is depicted is like the pure imaginary of what a, like a, an ancient kingdom is like. And Rohan's much more the reality. It's mostly just some thatched cottages in the middle of nowhere. Meanwhile, Gondor is uh, oblivion. Everyone's running around <laughs> yes, with these yes. huge mason work buildings and, the, and this like elaborate plate mail. Boromir is standing on a spire of rock in the volume being shot uh, around a, <laughs> a miniature plate. Uh I don't think that's uh, without like cause because like Gondor is shaped by living next to the devil. Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> also, also like Gondor is Numenor, right? Like they're the men yes, of yes. they're literally the men of legend. 
Um, but like the moment to moment, like cultural existence is like, yes, uh, Rohan outside of, I guess, whatever's going on with the wild men and now the sirens invasion basically just live like, you know, n- normal people, normal people in the 900s yes. or whatever. And this, is, this was, this was Tolkien's original thing. He just put the Anglo-Saxons in his fancy world. He's like, what if they were just horse guys? Like his main thing was giving them horses. I think the whole thing was the Anglo-Saxons didn't really have horses, but he was like, what if I just took these guys that I think are cool from history and put them in the middle of my fantasy scenario? Yeah. <laughs> and you get some cool stuff. Is there? Yeah. <coughs> You get Bernard Hill uh, saying "Ride for Ruin" in the Red Dawn. <laughs> Not yet, you don't. No, that's in yeah, this movie. In that was in this movie. He he does, yeah, he does. I mean, he does. Yes, yes. I was like, oh, he does it here as well. <laughs> when, when they did this, this is, like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then they all use their horses' iframes to get out. <laughs> <laughs> You can't the amount, possibly the, hit a horse while it's in motion. It's not possible. <laughs> the amount that the end of this movie relies on not a single orc who are, all have shields and spears, which are like the perfect defense against cavalry charges to, to knock off well, a fucking Specifically, horse. specifically the, the one with Gandalf at least has the logic of the sun is rising. Yes. Um, also, they're coming in at like a, like a 60 degree angle. I don't know how those horses made it down that hill. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> They do that one is a little more um uh like unrealistic yes, and but the charge down the charge down the ramp is ludicrous. <laughs> they just iframe push and like damage boost down the ramp. Yes. It's like none of you have ever played Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous because they're all CG horses in these wide shots. I'm like this is this is ludicrous. Well, um, this is uh, one of the things I thought was really funny is when they're like barricading the door against the big battering ram. Uh, Theoden runs up, king who leads from the front without a helmet. The one guy without a helmet gets stabbed in the shoulder immediately and has to fall back just to show that he's the guy who does something. But they're not going to put Bernard Hill in an action scene. The man's old. I didn't realize that was the captain from the Titanic. That was that was delightful yes. to realize that on the show just now. But they do put him in a fight scene next movie, briefly. Yes. That was 30 seconds. That was another thing was, um, you know. A horse on him. <laughs> just uh appreciating oh right uh there was a time where guys just had to do a lot of training to be in this type of movie you know those those guys are actually on horses no one has no yes. one puts horses in movies anymore <laughs> i mean yeah one, like every every one of the fellowship did like a whole like six more than six months of like sword fighting training horse riding training to be in this movie like they signed up to move to new zealand except right. vega who had to do it all in a week yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that Vigo broke his toe when he uh, kicked that? No, out? did oh, he? What? Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It sounded like he really was like in pain emotionally. <laughs> you know what? So I've, I, I've, I saw that scene when I saw the movie, then later learned about the trivia, and it's just like a funny thing. And so now I've just had a decade of not watching this movie, but hearing that story. And then it happened like, you know, he didn't even sound particularly in pain. Like, he sounds in pain. I wouldn't have watched it thinking something's off. Of, this has to be, a, like, a real scream. It's not, like, that different <laughs> no, from his no, normal no. acting. It just fits in the movie. You I mean, know. I broke my toe. It's not the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. I've also broke my toe multiple times. Like, it fucking hurts. But, like, you know, you go about your day. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, my, my toe is still fucked up from when I broke it. So, I, I broke I mean, my degrees. pinky toe when I was, like, <laughs> 12. And it's just kind of like, yeah, this, that, took, that toe is just crooked now. I don't know. <laughs> But, I, did, uh, I broke my toes and, f- and my fucking fingers enough that I had to like the my mom the first time was like you gotta go after right now and eventually but get like I was doing basketball and you it happens oh all. Yeah, uh, yeah you get like small injuries and eventually I just became used to them um, 
We so, had yeah. lots of say the line moments in this movie. Number one, give me some of the lines. Where are they taking the hobbits <laughs> to Isengard? What do your elf I see? We got meats back on the menu, boys. <laughs> we that got... line's totally fine. I hate it. I hate it's all that shit. Great. Wait, 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 wait. Stop. Why? It's just cheesy. It's just pure Jackson horseshit. Bors- I've never I mean, liked any of that stuff. It's fine. It's fine. Meets back on the menu. Yeah. I I generally I think my rule of thumb on this is, and I, I don't I don't have a good like grand theory of why I don't like this. I I think it's weird to make the end like the villains funny in Lord of the Rings. Just not just just not. I think the vibe is bad. I mean, they are funny in that scene in the books, but I, I prefer the book scene because, like, the book scene's about, like, a weird internal tension building yeah. within the orc units. Well, um, also, also the books don't have the uruk and orcs as literally two different types of guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, they're not like the fucking linebackers and then weird guys, but also you can't yes. in New Zealand, so half the linebackers are Maori. Yeah. Uh, and there's, like, a weird racial component going on. Yes, they don't have that. Mm. They cut yeah. the bit where, because uh, obviously I didn't know what I wanted to move the first time, but they don't have the bit where um, Aragorn's using his detective vision uh, and realizes that the hobbits stopped to eat while they should have been escaping. <laughs> <laughs> I um I don't like the Merry and Pippin stuff in this movie very much, outside of them hanging out in Isengard uh, at the very end. I think that works. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, my, my main, so I guess it's going to lead to the thing we haven't really talked about, which is the end stuff. Um, and I just want to say my piece because I just hate it and I don't want to be a hater. So I'm just going to le- like say my piece and let the leave the stage. More yeah. or less. Um, the idea that Pippin tricks Treebeard into going to war because he didn't know half his forest had been slashed and burned is offensive to me. They just decide to go in the book. They, like they, they have to wait. <laughs> the whole point of the book is that Treebeard wants to go. And realizes when these two little guys show up on his doorstep, they're going to be the fulcrum to like get everyone like motivated enough to go because he needs everyone to agree. Um, and him being tricked into not knowing that his own forest is being burned down is just like, what are the ants even good for then? If they if they don't know when their forest is being slashed and burned. Um, <clears throat> they're slow. They don't Pippin, go, they Pippin don't just knows the Pippin just has the geography in his head and is like, I know how to trick him into going to war. I, I think it's I think it's stupid. I think the whole thing sucks. I, I, they I, just I, wait I around until that, it's time to trick Treebeard. Um uh, I, I mean, think Treebeard generally I think the ends generally are kind of uninspired. It's just John Reese Davies doing a different voice, and I just can't unhear it. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's not different. that different. <laughs> I um, mean, I love that the end the, I guess Treebeard's the only one who speaks, but he yeah. talks in and out. Mm-hmm. Yes, his, I do think that part's breath. cool. I think that's neat. Um, um, I just think the end stuff doesn't work. I really like in the books is the thing. I like it more than everyone else, I think, in the books, and I like it way less in the movies. So so the thing is, I really, really like it in the books, too, because I think it, um, and I think it's something that the Fellowship adaptation cut a lot of. The things that feel, like, truly fantastical and, like, truly magical and, like, different than, like, you know, um, the elves and shit are still, like, organized into society, um, and like <clears throat> the ints are just like something else, and that you know there's yes. there's that stuff in the Hobbit Adventures in Book One of Lord of the uh, Fellowship too of like you know the Barrow Whites or whatever um, Tom so, Bombadil Tom motherfucking Bombadil and Old Man so, Willow and so I like that it's here, but I I agree that I don't I don't like the changes they make, and I don't like how much it feels like 
Mary has to get these people out of inaction. Um, and then I don't like the feeling of Mary has to get these people out of inaction. And I really don't like Pippin tricking them. But um, the the it still worked for me because it felt like... Um, because it just brought a very... It's a diff- very different, like... It's the D plot, and it's very different from what's going on everywhere else in the movie. Um, yeah, and there's so just, there's literally two identical scenes of them going, "Well, have you decided yet?" And they go, "No, it takes us a long time." And they go, "Well, hurry up, we got a movie to finish." Yeah, that is that. Uh, that was where because we were texting about it this morning, and I was like, "No, mm-hmm. hints are fine." And then finishing out Helm's Deep um, this afternoon, that's when I got those two back to back scenes of just like, yeah, hurry up. I was like, okay, I'm, I, I actually, the, the ends fucking Isengard. Love it. I think that stuff's awesome. <laughs> no complaints. <laughs> they're, they're stomping on orcs. They, they unleash the river. Uh, there's that one ant that gets caught on fire and then dunks his head in the water. It's great. I love all of it. When they, when he, when he tells Mary and Pippin to hang on good shit. <laughs> yeah. That ant dunking his head in the water is the most like animators decided this on their own. Yeah. Visual gag. <laughs> yes. People cheered in the theater in 2002. Good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> they did. Uh, yeah, that stuff's all great. They, they, they should have kept the song. I love the, the like, yes, the they when they're going the down the, like, breaking down with uh, trees and bone or whatever they say. Uh, uh, it's great. Um, you know what? That, generally speaking, should have put all the songs back in. The, the, the problem is, Man? the problem is, I think about that, and then I think of, uh, you know, uh, wash the, 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 you know, the plates. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates from the Hobbit. And I go, never mind. They shouldn't do any of that. <laughs> that's the one time they put the fucking song in and I put any of the cool ones in. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, what? but I'm, the, the end stuff for me is weird because I am um, mostly agree with them. Uh, though it's also a problem of like, this movie is designed around these like four parallel plot lines and intercutting between them constantly. Um, and it's just weird uh it just like it means that like mary and pippin uh have one chapter happening uh to them for three hours (laughs) yes (laughs) it's a single chapter of material stretch over three hours of movie on their plot um and they don't change in it they don't learn anything they don't grow uh in fact they do in fact grow a couple inches (laughs) you know what they do sorry (laughs) walked into that one they do technically grow uh but there's so there's so little going on, and then it all like culminates. And did he know? He knows when the forest is. That's the whole point of the forest. Um, and it all it, it all feels uh, a little weird. And it's also the most that the movie is like. I'm I'm having Lord of the Rings explained to me as Treebeard explains the end plot uh, from the book to me. But I don't. I'm not feeling it. I'm not like this is like a weird different society that has a different way of doing things especially and then, because and then he yells once and all the ends would come rolling up like they were ready to go from the jump <laughs> yeah uh it, and then like it completely changes the tenor of the um debating scenes because in the in the book obviously they're just there and they just take a while right yeah uh but by putting them in the mid like into cutting from helm's deep it becomes like the ticking clock when will they show up and save the day thing uh uh-huh. which really frames how like it frames them doing that as like funny but funny because it's selfish and wrong and weird whereas in the book it's much more like they're fucking trees man <laughs> they are literally <laughs> they, are, they are they aren't even like tree creatures they are trees the whole point is they are trees that have been taught to speak by the elf they're not like 
creatures that look like trees. They are they they are the spirit of trees. They have the lifespans of trees. The worldview of trees. They are the like will of the forest brought to life, and so they can't work on your goddamn schedule. Well, but it's also like. <laughs> It's about empowering Merry and Pippin by being the ones everyone basically forgot because they weren't useful to anyone. Like, literally, yes. Aragorn and everyone go, oh, we'll just, yeah, they'll probably figure it out. We don't have time. We have to go do this other thing and run away. Um, they, they're able to, like, be the fulcrum to, like, the most deep magic, right, of Middle Earth. Uh, yes. Something way beyond any of the armies. And they just it doesn't come across that way. It, it's like they're just funny guys in the movies. Uh, yeah. Though there is the one amazing image where, like, it cuts back to morning at Helm's Deep and there's a forest there. Yes, that part is cool. Um, Amber's like, stay away from the fucking trees. <laughs> the part where they will run in and get like comedy eaten like it's evil dead is less. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's peak Peter Jackson. Yes. I'm like, ah, oh, Pete, you're here. Uh, <laughs> How uh, did you like seeing the last you'll see of Saruman? <laughs> that is not the last you'll see true. of Saruman because we're watching the extended editions. Yeah, I know, but I'm just mentioning uh, Saruman. Uh, sir, not appearing in this film. <laughs> Christopher Lee, Christopher Lee is movie. is desperately trying to convince you that he's important in this movie, and it just doesn't work. I do like the where he's like Gandalf the White, Gandalf the Fool. <laughs> um, he, he gets his he gets his one cool moment. I really like the bit where he comes out onto Orthanc and gives a little speech about going to oh, war. Oh, the big the big triumph of the will shot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the thing I like about that is when he first comes out. Um, and he just like slightly raises his hand um, yes. to get everybody to quiet down. That felt like such a little like Chris Furley like was cooking with that one, you know? Yes. <laughs> the the like, this is just movie. I'm not complaining. This is movie logic and when it's good. The idea that Wormtongue didn't realize they were massing like a 50,000 person army right outside the window <laughs> is so funny to I me. Mean, who's going to tell Grima Wormtongue what's going on? He didn't you see can him hear on the it. way Literally, in. They do the they do the thing like in a video game where you go between zones, the lighting changes for the sound design. That's not how windows work. <laughs> they did. They, they, he does go through the Dark Souls loading trigger, uh, and then there's horns blaring and like people smashing shields, and it's like you would hear that from inside the tower. Only ten thousand men. I did, that seems so funny. Yes, it's to great. Be I love fair it. To Christopher Lee, Saruman himself is also desperately trying to convince yes, everyone that he's important. I mean, he isn't though. Like he isn't. Fundamentally though, he isn't because of the way this movie changes who Saruman is, which is that, like to simplify the movie, Saruman is just like an extension of Sauron functionally. It plays right. him as being like corrupted. Uh and that's true of Saruman in the but, but like Saruman's doing the you know Sith thing. He's he, he's going to kill Sauron. And he's going to be the real guy. It's like yeah, I mean, part of his he, plot. Like functionally in the book, Saruman and Denethor are in the same position. He's just a little right. further along, right? Yeah. Right. But like Saruman is working against Sauron in the book because he thinks he can be the guy, which he can't, yeah. obviously. Uh, but that's like a crucial part of the plot. Whereas this is a, a two extra complications. So he he like really works on selling you that like the union of Sauron and Sauron, two powerful forces make this more dire than ever. And every time like they talk about Saruman's attacks, they talk about like Sauron has tactically corrupted this guy who we're really weak to, uh, which means that like he has to feel, he feels like a different role in the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously this is only, this only works because there's no scaring the Shire in these movies. Uh, obviously. I, I like you knew that. Out, them, as, but. as soon as Saruman is out of the picture, None of his shit ever comes up again. Sauron's <laughs> not using Urukai. Sauron's not even using wargs. In no, they all they all eaten by the trees. All of them? Nah, yeah, whatever. Whatever. They're all despawned. 
<laughs> we lost our essential flags. <laughs> Which... Uh, I have the hiccup, sorry. Which is the more iconic Legolas stunt? Is it him flipping onto the horse, or is it him surfing down the shield? Uh, it's him care. surfing down the shield. I think that the shield is more iconic. I like the, the horse more. I like the, the horse. Is the horse a stunt? Good. But at the very least, I... No, the horse is CG. It's oh, that yeah, is so entirely like, CG. Bit. I'm fairly sure I was watching that and I'm like, well, hello, terrible CG model of Legolas. <laughs> yes, yes, I <laughs> yeah, know, but it is least, it is kind of fun. I at least like. when he's skating down the stairs, it looks more like real Orlando Bloom is here. Mm-hmm. What? Well, what? Well, that's because no it is because it is just it just it is Orlando Bloom on some wires. That is a real thing he did. Right. His stunt man probably did. I don't think it's actually Orlando Bloom. Like, I have most. no problems with leggy moments. Well, not, you know, in uh, you movies, know, I don't hate them in this movie. Next movie, I have problems with the Legolas moments. It's fine. yeah. Well, what about in full movies time? Oh. Uh, I will not be it, here, so it's not my problem. The thing about it is that this is just what Legolas has been for both of these movies, where it's like this is just an extension of the scene in Caradhas when everyone is plowing through the snow and Legolas. Oh, is I just love that. That's in the books, though. That part's top. in the books. That yeah, is in the books. But it's just the same. It's just like taking that and running with it, and yeah. then he is doing the same thing as everyone else, just like preternaturally better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of the all of the uh, Gimli Legolas banter, I think, is pretty good. I love yeah. it. All. I, I think it I think uh, John Reese Davies is doing a great job. Um, I think Orlando Bloom. I really like the. Sorry, bro. I shouldn't have despaired, bro. I like that scene, but yes. most of the Orlando Bloom stuff. He's not a great actor in this movie. He's, he's not great. Uh, I th- I think that I think John Reese Davies and v- I think it's that John Reese Davies and Vigo are way better than him. They're also, well, to be fair, they're also like twenty years older than him. Yes, yes. But also, at this point in time, Orlando Bloom is doing a much better job in a different series of films at the same time. <laughs> um, He's doing much better in one of those movies. Uh, I don't think that you could say that the problem with the later Pirates of the Caribbean films is that Orlando. Uh, it's Bloom also is there. it's also worth <laughs> pointing out most of eighty, well, like almost one hundred one hundred percent of Fellowship, but like eighty percent of the rest of these movies were all shot in nineteen ninety nine and two thousand. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, these these are several years before Pirates of the Caribbean. Really? Huh. I didn't realize it was that much of a. Yeah, they shoot the whole thing and then they go back for reshoots for like for each. Oh, yeah, because yeah, because return because um, fellowship was so big, they gave Peter Jackson more money each time to do reshoots in between the the movie releases because mm. they release in dis- November of every year. Okay, okay. Uh, it's, yeah, it's which is 2001, why, like, 2002, 2003? Yes. So, okay. Return of the King comes in screaming hot. <laughs> I would love to know what like the edit of Return of the King looked like, but before they knew how big Fellowship was going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because um, there's the even in the like production materials, there's whole bits of like Howard Shore. Like, I can't score a movie that isn't edited. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, everyone, the everyone. Shore, the Howard oh, Shore score on this movie is really good. It's it's not. Yes. It's not as good as Fellowship. Um, I I think it has like more breadth. Um, yes. I don't think it necessarily hits as hard because you you don't get to reprise a lot of the like best themes. But I do think when he brings out like the fellowship motif, he does it really smartly. He does not overuse it. I think it all that stuff all really works. Yeah, Um, I think the new additions, I think like the all the Rohan music is really good. Um, But how many times in the last 48 hours have you or I walking around the apartment just gone? Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) 
uh, yeah, I think the score is fantastic. Um, uh, like, I think the ways in which uh, every time a theme is reprised, it's like kind of different uh, is frankly absurd these scores are absurd i can't believe yes. how good these scores are yes uh, and obviously that's true of every movie every movie like you know you have a light motif you use it in multiple different ways but the extent to which they get reused and recombined and one will fade into the other and like this time we're doing it in a minor key and this so like every possible variation is trying i mean howard shore's entire career before and after this is not as good like just a singular work yeah mm. i mean that's true of a lot of things with a lot of the rings just with a yes. perfect combination of things given the around the right amount of time to develop uh and was just like singularly excellent in craft uh, even if we have like these like thematic complaints about it yeah yeah mm. um the, the thing about the game at the um give me legless bit the thing that made me really laugh this time that i didn't notice on time before is that okay so the fight starts and Gimli kills a couple guys. He's like, that's two for me. And then Legolas is like, I, I've killed 17. He's been shooting guys with his bow. Um, then there proceeds to be about 30 minutes of action scenes uh, where they're all killing guys constantly. He, they are going Dynasty Warriors mode. They've all murdered so uh -huh. many men. And then at the end, they're like, 43 guys. I'm like, you no, did not just not. kill 17 <laughs> more guys, 24 more guys or whatever. Yeah, um. well. You've killed at least two hundred guys I today. Mean, the, the, yes, the the thing. Uh, I'm sad we don't. I don't think it. I don't think it's the Return of the King either. We don't get Gimli going to the caves. I don't think that's in the movies at all. Um, which is a real shame. Yeah, yeah. Because they made the caves like the caves look great. Uh, they're in like three shots, but there are three shots, and it's all it's like one of them of panning over like a mother and her two children. Just yeah, yeah those are those are Peter bunch. Jackson's kids. Oh really? That's yes. Cute. That's cute. they're they're the hobbits in Fellowship who like gasp when Bilbo's telling the story. I think they're in all three movies. Is that's Peter cute. Jackson in any of these movies until Return of the King, or is it? Yeah, just he's in all three. He okay. in he's in Bree as one of the men in Bree. I think he's the one who eats a carrot and burps in in okay. Fellowship. I don't remember. I think he's just one of the wild men in Two Towers. That's what I thought, but I couldn't find him, so I wasn't sure. I know where he is on in the the last one. He's on the boat. Yes, he's really obvious in that one because he looks he looks like he fell out of Battlefield Earth. Oh, he look, he looks like actually, Hagrid, he gets a he? full he gets a full on hero shot in this. Let me get the uh, thing for you. Um, uh, copy image. Um, I'm in the wrong thing. He is on the wall of Helm's Deep and he throws a spear. Oh, yeah, there he is. There he is. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's. <laughs> That's Peter. Yeah. Um, this movie's so good. Yeah, I talking about it. I like it more. I still have a lot of complaints about it, but um, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, the, you know me, how happy it's the cinema. Um, there, there I there were here's his fellowship cameo. See, by the way, I could see why. Uh, you had complaints about this because I knew that you'd watched it a couple days prior and yeah. were a little lower on it. And, and so, like, we would, like, pause the movie to, like, go grab a snack or something. And I'd be like, oh, I see why that didn't work for M. But when I'm just in the moment of watching the movie, especially because this was my first time, I was totally yeah. swept up uh, in this. This is the thing is, like, I've seen all of these movies, like, 15 plus times. So right. um, I the first time watching this movie. I was fucking like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you were very valid in this response. A lot of the awe has been stripped from Lord of the Rings for me, but also I hadn't seen them in 15 years. So like when it opens, I, even though I knew it opened on the Balrog fight, when I got to see it again, I'm like, fuck, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened. 
I wonder. I mean, I assume this is answered in the many, many commentaries, but like, how many, do they have a different opening from this movie? How many times did they like, how long did it take them to settle on, we're going to do the Balrog fight? Like, what was, what was the thing that gave them that idea? I think that was always, I think that was always the okay. opening of this movie. Because I know for like the, the prologue, prologue in Fellowship, they had like 10 different ideas yeah. that they wrote and shot and edited and they could never decide on one until they finally uh, settled on like the Galadriel version. Yeah. Um, which is such a weird choice because Galadriel uh, is, uh, Misses not in this movie. She's like, you know, generally speaking, <laughs> is in a little bit of fellowship and I'm assuming will come back in return. Uh, yeah. But it's not just a major the long character. game. They were, hint- they were hanging it on uh, on the Amazon show, taking off. They were playing the really long game. <laughs> the bit, can I just say, the bit where uh, every single time Frodo uh, and Sam use one of Galadriel's gifts, they have to shout it out like they're equipping a Metroid item. I oh, laugh that every whole, time. That whole, that whole rope sequence, extended edition only. Yeah, I can I fucking yeah. tell because yeah. you could just open the movie with them lying down. Uh, they the oh the yeah the movie has a different title card. It's over them like just there's a shot like later on where they crest the ridge and look at the mountains. It basically is like a mirror of the shot in uh, the end of Fellowship. That's mm-hmm. the opening original title card. Not any of the like mists rope stuff. Yeah, uh, um, it is really weird they give Sam the box and then it's not it's not the box. Like I remember the first because the first time I saw Two Towers. Um, those DVDs hit before the movies dropped. So I was like, and everyone had already kind of been like, they're not, they'd already said, we're not doing Scouring the Shire. And then Sam drops this fucking box and it's like, that's Galadriel's box. And they've been like pulling a fast one on us and they're doing a Blair Witch on everybody. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just now spice. It's a different box. <laughs> it's yeah. Autumn's poultry blend. Yes. <laughs> she has uh, me pick up every couple weeks before she cooks a chicken. I should roast a chicken tomorrow. Yeah. I'm sorry, Andrew. In a lake. No, we got we got distracted uh, like twenty minutes ago, uh, but I want to bring you back to your uh, uh, say the line moments. Um, I'm trying to think of what were the ones that um, I mean, for me growing up, it was nobody tosses a dwarf. I mean, no, the other one, he does toss him this time. Toss me, Aragorn, toss me. Don't tell the elf. Yes. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good bit of script writing. Like that's a tidy, neat little callback. I like that. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to get a, a, a screenshot for stupid reasons for a shit post. What? What are you getting? I'm I'm getting uh, Theoden standing in front of that door that's filled with light uh, as they're getting ready for the battle. And I'm just going to post this should be taught in film schools. Give it a shot, um, though. My my two towers line is the potatoes boil them, mash them, stick in a stew. I say that every time. I'm oh yeah, potatoes. that was a big one. I forgot about that whole scene. <clears throat> yeah, that that was very good. See, when I was younger, I also was like. Um, Man, these these guys are so cool with their elephants and their cool, like, unique armor. Uh, it's a shame I don't know anything about these guys. <laughs> um, I do like, at the end of the movie, uh, Gandalf gives a full-on begun the Clone Wars have years before he the does. Clone Wars happens. <laughs> Remember what do you mean? When, the um, same year. Same year, 2002. Isn't Clone Wars 2003? I thought it was 2003. I was wrong. 2002, because Harry okay. Potter, Star Wars, and Lord of the Rings all had the second movie in 2002. I remember that. Oh, okay. But remember uh, that But yeah, he's like, he's like, the battle for Helm's Deep is over. The battle for Middle Earth is about to begin. I'm like, well, you're putting that in the fucking trailers for the next movie, huh? And the trees are like around the survivors a perimeter create. <laughs> <laughs> 
What if uh, Gandalf showed up at the uh, uh, at Helm's Deep and then he was like in a hallway, just walked in, uh, and then like twelve other Maiars my- showed up, turned on their staffs, and they all got murdered immediately. I was I was thinking both blue wizards show up and they both just get shot. <laughs> yes, that's the biology of I, I was thinking a little bit today about because um, I didn't I didn't see this movie when it came out um, because I didn't like Fellowship much. When it um, when it came out, uh, and I was thinking about the sliding doors of my life where I'd gotten really into this movie instead of um, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and how just mm-hmm. how different as a person I would have been. Lesser. Ah, <laughs> uh, God, yeah, fucking cinema. Uh, the cinema. Yeah. That's the two two towers. The two towers. What are you looking at the Peaky Blinders for? Peaky uh, Blinders. This is just on Twitter. I was scrolling okay. after my shit post. I apologize. <laughs> Can't jump scare me with Peaky Blinders. I didn't realize um, Killian Murphy was in uh, Oppenheimer, and now I'm kind of like, Nora and I should watch that. Are we done? Because I can eat dinner as soon as we're done. <laughs> it sounds oh. like we're done. Yeah. Yeah, um, I would also like dinner, so... Listener, write in and tell us if you would eat the lake chicken from Saruman's No, no. It's no. so gross. No, 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 no you no, just no, climb up the no, stairs no. and there's all this Disgusting. food that is not sullied by no, foul. No, no. It's probably like like full of like alkaline water. It probably poison you and you fall over dead immediately. You don't want any of that. Also, why did... No, you don't want any of that. Why <laughs> did Saruman just have a roast chicken laying around? What was that uh, You can for? find me on Twitter at EM underscore B. You can find all my podcasts at normalmapping.com. I do most of them with Jackson. You can find uh, me what? on Twitter at a tunnel underscore coffee, patreon.com slash export audio. Jackson, go. You, you can find me on Twitter at headfullsoff. Uh, find the Patreon podcast, me and MD at patreon.com slash mapping. Get the Great Gundam Project for $1 a month. You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora at uh, co-host at Ashworm. Ash with an E, worm with a Y. You find stuff, norablake.online. Other podcasts like the thesecondbestgame.club where we play video games. Um, and... Um, I don't know. I guess that's. I guess that's everything. Where's the horse and where's the rider? Um, oh, it's it. I love Lord of the Rings fans. They love to complain about everything. I was looking up some two towers things, and just today found someone complaining that Gimli's the one who blows the horn. <laughs> <laughs> who cares? Who cares? It should have been men. That's the whole point of this, the redemption of men. Why does Gimli blow the horn? How did he even get up there? Isn't he too small? Amazing. I love Lord of the Rings fans so much. <laughs> Say it and still orders it. It means the same thing. It does, what, it's such, such a funny thing. He still has the incredible line of like the whole the sound much more.
Can you hear me? No. Well, okay, because I was talking for like I was trying to interrupt you to say something before we ended the podcast, and no one could hear me. So that's I couldn't be hear really... you while you were doing that. Yeah, yes, that's weird. Okay, well, that's going to be a bad audio to try to edit. Sorry. Sorry. That's fine.